1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 165 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here on this mini-sode with Alison Tate. How are you, Al? I'm
0: okay, Val. Oh, that's good. I am. I'm very – in fact, I'm – yeah, I'm good.
1: You're in the (laughs) midst of school holidays, so you sound a little bit distracted. Maybe we should just go – Hey, we're here.
0: <laughs> I know. I think maybe. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little bit like. That. I'm also a bit distracted because you know my books have, have sort of come out in the UK and yes. you know yeah. it's all it's all going on really. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of stuff happening at the moment all the time, and it's very busy in my head a yes. lot of the time these days. And it's you're an
1: international author, Al. Yes. Yeah. You're an international author. I am. Pretty cool. That is very
0: cool. I'm also yes. published in Lithuania. Let's not mm. forget. Yes, yes, that's right. Remember that? Yes, I'm. I'm a multi international. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and kind soon of to be the US. Soon to be the US. I know. Mm. Look at those map makers just taking over the world. That's, that's
1: right. We we will be casting Quinn very soon in a Hollywood movie. I think. <laughs> I, Can't I think Quinn. Imagine that. <laughs> Hours of fun
0: for us to discuss who could be Quinn. I actually think the bigger debate would be who would be Zane. But, you yes. know, talk about that, you know, if yes. the time comes, shall we? We will yeah.
1: pass. Yes, I'm sure there's, you know, but that's the thing also with um, actors of a certain age because yours is a series. It's like Harry Potter, right? You have to get them at the right age so they don't grow too quickly. Well, it takes true. a long time to make a movie.
0: Yeah, that's true, actually. You're right. And if we're going to do sort of, you know, there's four books now. So if we're going to do four movies, we need someone who's going to be looking young for a long time.
1: That's right. And that's probably why they had to film a number of them. They learnt that they needed to film some of those series like back to back because actors grow up.
0: Well, they do. Yeah. And at least with Harry Potter, they were growing up. So every year was everybody was a year older. But with uh, the map makers, they're the same. You know, the 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 map, the difference between sort of book one and book four is only about eighteen months. Yes. So, now it's, just um, in case
1: we have some new listeners, can you just very <laughs> briefly explain the Mapmaker series? Uh, so, the Mapmaker Chronicles is uh, about a well. The first
0: three books are all about a race to map the world, um, and a boy who really doesn't want to go. And then uh, book four picks up about six months after. Uh, after that race is over and uh, and it's kind of like it's a whole brand new adventure and we have, you know, some familiar faces and some unfamiliar faces and some mm-hmm. unexpected faces, which is a lot of fun. So, yes, yeah, so that's what it's all about. So it's, you know, epic adventure, so it would make Awesome Hollywood movies, I personally feel. But
1: yes, anyway, I agree. <laughs> yeah, anyway, Anyway, <laughs> we have a shout out to Bettina Dita. Thank you so much, Bettina, uh, because she gave us a shout out on social media, didn't she, Al? She did. And she's tweeted us, love the
0: podcast of the Writer Centre AU, which is the Writer Centre Australia, Australian Writer Centre, bite sized learning while ironing there you go <laughs> Val we're doing some ironing these days we do we do so many interesting things with our so with our listeners I really love it I mean I think that the dissection of the fruit flies was probably my personal favorite yes. remember right. that one um yep. but I also loved the fairy floss
1: remember when we were making fairy floss yes yes but
0: ironing is probably a lot more practical and probably what we do more of than making fairy floss I would say
1: and do tweet us or let us know through some other form of social media where you are listening to this podcast because we'd really like to know. It really is quite do. amusing. Yeah.
0: We love that idea of us accompanying you on your travels. It's quite nice.
1: Now, this is a mini-sode where we a- answer listener questions. And if you have a question you would like us to answer, then do email us, podcast at That's podcast at writercenter.com.au, and we would love to answer your question. So we have this question. The first question is from Anna, and Anna has said – (laughs) <laughs> some time ago you made some positive comments about Canberra and I thought I'd send you a photo of where I listened to you, one of the local wetlands created from storm water. Those are ducks, by the way, people even even fish in it. And, of course, Anna has sent us a photo. So uh, not only would we like to hear where you're listening to us, uh, about where you're listening to us, send us a photo on Instagram if you like. Particularly if there are ducks involved. That's always yes. a good thing. Absolutely. Now, Anna says, thanks so much for the podcast. I'm hooked and just signed up for the boot camp too. Now, Anna's oh. referring to the 30-day boot camp, which is this awesome boot camp created by Alison that guarantees, if you follow the instructions, that you will write 10,000 words in 30 days. So check that out if you want to really get your, the, your momentum going in terms of your writing. Now, Anna says, my question is for Al. You recently oh. mentioned going back to your draft and doing layering. Can you talk about that some more? I have nearly completed a first draft of a crime story and it's pretty sparse. I don't want to pad it out, but I suspect I need to do layering.
0: Mm,
1: okay, now, I suspect you probably
0: do too because my when I my first drafts always are always uh, you know, I think there's, there's a quote that's from Stephen King that says that if you, um, a second draft is a first draft plus uh, minus 10%. Yeah, a, a, a second draft is a first draft minus 10%. Well, in my case, a second draft is a first draft plus 10% yes. because I always uh, tend to write, I underwrite, I tend to write them relatively short. And I yeah. think that that's just part of my process of this is me getting the story out of my head and, you know, making sure, you know, getting that action moving and all of those sorts of things. So the <laughs> layering aspect of it um, comes in two ways. Uh, we have talked in recent episodes about the importance of reading a story out loud. Um, and so the layering comes uh, partly with that. So I, I print that first draft out, and then I read it out loud. And when I'm reading it out loud, I can hear certain things. And that uh, we, we talked about that in more depth in a previous episode. But, you know, it's about listening for dialogue. It's about listening for clunky sentences. It's about listening for pacing to make sure that your pacing is correct. All of those sorts of things. So layering is kind of is, is that You're looking at, is your pacing correct? You may find that you haven't given enough attention to certain scenes that will need to be bumped up. We love a bit of bumping up in a story. Um, And by bumping up, I just mean that you need to look at how strong and clear the, the, um, the action, the writing, particularly in a crime story, the action probably is quite important. But it's also... It's a little bit like uh, when I go and do school talks with kids and, you know, a lot of the stuff that I talk about with kids is really relevant to to all writers. Um, I talk to them about the importance – of writing with all of their senses. So, if you are describing something, then you want to describe, you know, not only what you're looking at, but you know, you want to talk about what your character's hearing, what your character can feel, what your character can smell. Smells are really good because you know, people, a uh, smell is a very evocative thing, um, uh, and even what they can taste. You know, if they're obviously if they're eating something, but also you know, if you're if you're wanting to show where a character is, if they're sort of if they're standing, if they're Uh, if they can taste salt on their tongue, chances are they're somewhere near the coast. You know, like there's not too many places that you can, you know, and you can taste it. If you're standing on a beach, you can taste it in the wind, particularly if there's a storm coming and things like that. Mm. So I look at those kind of details. I look at is is it clear to the reader – where my character is. Is it clear to the reader what exactly is going on? And often I find because I'm so focused on getting the story down, getting the action down, that some of those details are not particularly clear. I find that I don't mm. sometimes describe my characters well enough. I can see them in my head, but when I read them out loud to um to my boys, they'll be like, "Oh, is that the is that the blonde one?" And I and then I realize that I haven't actually you need to reiterate some of those details as you go through so that people know exactly who's talking, exactly what the, you know, where they are, exactly what they look like, those kinds of things. Um, And that's where layering comes in for me. It's just adding in those details that really give that sense of place and that really allow a reader into the story and to feel the story as much as possible. Because it's not just telling the story you're not just like getting the story down, getting the story down. Mm -hmm. You have to basically get the reader as far into the story as you can and it's those kind of details that will do that so that's where the layering process is for me putting those details in yeah
1: and I agree with the um, uh, the comment about the details, and particularly in the crime story. In addition to all of those details about place and character and and the senses and so on, it's also detail that is relevant to crime to mm. make it even more authentic. And it's certainly something that I noticed um, when I read Candice Fox's books because she's a crime and thriller author, but she's also created our course How to Write About Murder, and because I've gone through the entire course on. how how to write about murder uh, not only am i very familiar about how to write about murder it's it's You you learn so much about the little, little things associated with a crime that the average person wouldn't think about, wouldn't notice or whatever and I can see now how she's layered them very subtly into her writing that just brings the story to life and makes it even more realistic so particularly with crime you need to, I think um, really delve, because we don't come across crime every day in our everyday lives it's just not a normal thing for normal people so to add that little extra layer of detail I think is very important with crime as well and of course if you want to find out more about candace's course just um go to murdercourse.com so yeah hopefully that is useful for yeah. you anna mm. yeah let's move to on putting to flesh our... on the
0: bones of our story aren't we
1: yeah, yeah absolutely mm. and i think that um yeah it's a great answer too al um, oh, thank you so linda has asked dear val and al I have a writing question for you. During the last couple of years, I've become more serious about pursuing my writing dreams. I've done some of the Australian Writers' Centre courses, which are fantastic, by the way, and I've been fortunate to have some of my short stories published. I'm currently Mm. trying to write my first novel. I've got lots of ideas and I'm interested in several different genres. I really enjoy the writing process, but I find myself giving up after a few chapters and starting something new. I tell myself that my ideas are too complex for a first novel and that I should save them for later when I have more writing experience. I'll cast aside a story with a dual narrative or abandon the early chapters of a historical novel because a little voice inside my head is telling me I'm trying to be too ambitious and will never be able to pull it off. Is this a common dilemma for new writers and what advice would you give? It's a great question, isn't it? It is. This is what's called shiny
0: new thing syndrome. Yes. This is most definitely Absolutely. shiny new thing syndrome, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's I, applicable I, not just to writers, but to no, everyone. But to everyone. But I also I'm really interested in this because uh, Linda says she's had some short stories published, and then she says that she gets a few chapters into some into a novel. And, you know, she's she gives up. She tells herself it's too, too complex and she should save it for later and, oh, look, there's a shiny new idea over there and I should probably go and do that instead. And I think it's absolutely common among new writers Very to have common. this because you have lots and lots of ideas and, you know, and I have to tell you that, you know, when you're writing anything, if you're writing a novel, you get a couple of chapters in and you know what happens at that point? It gets hard. Mm. That's what happens at that point. It gets yep. hard. It doesn't matter what you're writing. It mm-hmm. gets hard because when you start with a new idea, you know, you can probably bang out 5 10,000 words without even having to think about it because it's new and exciting and all the characters and, and then you get to the point where you actually have to put the effort in. This is where yep. it gets hard. This is, where, this is what separates the men from the boys, so to speak, because it's writing through this section Um, I I always find the ten to 20,000 word section of any novel very, very difficult because I've probably got three chapters in and now things are getting serious and I have to actually um, think about what's going to happen next. So that's a difficult stage for me. The other difficult stage for me is the midpoint of the book because by that stage I've pretty much had enough of everything and I never (laughs) want to see the book again and it's a load of crap Basically, and no one's ever written anything that was worse than what I'm writing right now. And I'm gonna kind of doing 200 words a day, and I'm never gonna get anywhere, and I'm banging my head against a wall. And trust me, I'm not even being overly dramatic here. This is just me. This is actually quite low key. This is um, the low key version of how I really feel. Um, and so you have to push through the middle as well, um, and then you yeah. sort of into the downhill slide, and suddenly it all becomes, you know, a lot more sort of you know, easier again. So basically what's happening, Linda, is that you're riding that wave of momentum of that new and exciting idea and then you're getting to the point where you've actually got to start walking uphill and you're walking away. So what you have to do here is push through this bit and get yourself through the other side of this sort of 10,000-word, you know, few-chapter mark that you're at. This yeah. is where got, this is where you've got to get a subplot into your story. This is where structure becomes really really important, and if you if you can't do that on the run, if you can't actually do that just through you know panting, then you've actually got to sit down and plan an outline for this yes. thing and work out how you are going to get your character from A to B via C D E F and G, um, and you know it's it, it's it's a it's a structure thing, you know, like because you're you're just sliding through that intro stuff, and that's that's the fun bit, yeah. but now this is where you start walking up the story mountain. And if you've ever done um, any work with kids, you'll know about the Story Mountain. Um, we've got to start walk, you know, walking up the Story Mountain towards your climax and things like that. And if you can't do that sort of on the run, then do an outline. do a, Do some kind of structure course and work out so that you can learn because it's approximately here that a subplot will come in and that will yeah. sort of give you a couple of things to write about. As for your shiny new ideas, which I'm sure are amazing, you need to write down as much as you can think of of those ideas, you know, put some time aside, get everything out of your head that you can think of right now to do with that shiny new idea and then put it aside because it will be sitting there waiting for you when you finish this one.
1: Yep. I, I 100% agree, and shiny object syndrome is something that afflicts all of us, mm. and it's certainly uh, I'm guilty of it and I still do it, but I like to think that I do it a bit less than mm-hmm. I used to, you mm. know, when I was starting out. Um, I know one girl who has started 140 novels.
0: Oh, stop.
1: Yeah, no. 140. So the, she really suffers from shiny. Has she day. finished anything? I think she has now finished one, yeah. Well, I don't know, I know of I know of one that she has finished, but many of them are unfinished. But, you know, she suffered from shiny object syndrome as well. And uh, I really echo uh, Alison's advice. Yes, it's great to have these new ideas. Definitely write some of them down so that you can come back to them later. But push through. It's all yeah. about pushing through, just like anything in life, not just writing
0: well, we interviewed uh, – I remember in the podcast like a long time ago because we are now ancient as far as podcast <laughs> – we are. Like in yeah. top, in podcast terms, we are geriatric. Um, and I remember we spoke to Kate Forsyth about this because she is a woman of a thousand million ideas. Like I don't yeah. know. She's just – honestly, she's a machine when it comes yeah. to ideas. But she – She is very, very focused on getting – she starts a project, she finishes a project, and what she does with her shiny new objects that she has that she comes up with constantly, she pulls out a new notebook for every single one of them. Every idea gets a new notebook and Mm. she writes things down in it and she writes down every single thing she can think of to go Mm. with that. And then if she has another idea, you know, as she's still working on her main project, if another idea pops into her head to go with, you know, shiny object idea number one, she mm. will go and write it down. If she sees a picture that she thinks might be good for her character, she will stick it in the notebook. So when the time comes, yep. when she's finished the main project and she's ready to start on shiny object one, she pulls it out and it's all there. Yeah. But she is also the queen of plotting and planning and um, mm-hmm. she does an amazing, an amazing course with the Australian Writers' Centre that if you see it come up, get in quick and go and yep. do it because it books out in seconds. Always books. And Always books out in seconds. What's it called? Plotting and planning. Plotting and planning. <laughs> obvious like that. Um, that she understands structure and she knows she knows the importance of of of, of getting that structure right mm. because if you get the structure right, it will help you to get all the way through. Some people do it on the run, like I do. Some people do it all in advance, like she does.
1: Yeah, and if you find that you are fi- reaching that obstacle and giving up, maybe you really should you know, plan it, plan the whole thing out exactly, and then yeah. you'll have a path to that, that you know, that you need to go on. Yeah. Hopefully that's helpful to you, Linda. All right. So if you have a question you'd like us to answer about the world of writing and publishing, then do email us podcast at So that brings us to the end of this week's mini-sode and we hope you've enjoyed it. Alison, where do we find you online? Uh, you'll find me at alisontait.com allisontai
0: dot com you find me on twitter at, at Al tate, a l t a i t and you will find me on facebook and instagram at alisontait writer
1: And you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And feel free to connect with me on Facebook as well. We'd love to hear from you and make sure you do send us your questions. We'd love to help you out there as well. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye.